All right, we're going to dive into the Word. Y'all ready for that? Let's look in Romans chapter 12. Uh, We're in our uh, real-life series, but I'm spending a few weeks talking about New Testament instruction. It's one thing to be a Christian, to follow Jesus. Anybody here following Jesus? And if you're here tonight, you're just kind of checking out Jesus, or you're not sure, or your parole officer told you you had to go to church tonight, or or whatever. Hey, hey, don't laugh, because there's a lot of folks here been on parole, okay? I just, that's the truth of it. And, and we love it that way because you know what? We're all a mess in one way or another, all of us. And I'll tell you who's the messiest among us is the one who says, well, I never was, you know, yeah. Well, you're, you're the worst off among us. So um, we're walking with Jesus. And, and remember what I said on Sunday, Jesus is not just an additive to our life. We don't just add him in with everything else. He becomes not just savior, but he becomes Lord owner, ruler, master. He's the boss of our life. And, and you know what you need to do on a daily basis and a real regular basis? Tell him that. Amen. Tell him, declare that Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. This day, me, everything, this belongs to you. I think that's a, a very powerful day, daily declaration that we all need to make. But it's one thing to say, Jesus, your Savior, Jesus, your Lord. You go to church and get a Bible and get your name on your Bible and, and you do all those things. But then if you don't know what you're supposed to do. And so that's why we have a Bible. And, and in particular, the New Testament is written as New Testament instruction for us as believers. And a lot of it has to do with not just circumstances and situations that come up, but how we, how we handle other people. And a lot of it is in the context of one another, how we interact with one another, how we deal with one another. And that is also within the family of God. And it's also, there's clear instruction for what do we do? Those that are outside of the family of God. And here's what we must do. We must be in the know. It's not enough to just love Jesus and come to church. You've got to know what does the Bible say about how we conduct ourselves, And that's where we get New Testament instruction. Um, it's all over the New Testament, but one of the main veins here, I mean, this is just, we have hit a jackpot here in Romans chapter 12, and we've spent a few weeks on this. Let's pick up in verse 9. We're going to read through verse 16, and we're going to come back and handle about uh, three or four verses tonight. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Real deal, genuine stuff. Abhor or hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to, to who? One another. That phrase is all over the New Testament. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. We are brothers. We are sisters. You're my brother. You're my sister. I like being in the family of God with you. Well, I like being in it with you. So, yeah. all right. Uh, let's see, be kindly affectionate one another with brother in honor, giving preference to one another. Verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope. We took all last week and looked at verse 12 here, rejoicing in hope, patient or constant in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. There it is again. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. And it it travels on a little bit more. 
Now, let's look back at verse 12 just for a moment. And it says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. And the middle part of that, it's like three parts of that verse. And you kind of have bookends. And right in the middle is that you could endure or be patient. Um, The word really has to do with to be constant during tribulation or pressure or trouble. And that is a huge goal for us. Y'all hear? That when pressure's on, we can remain constant. That we don't flip out, freak out, fizzle out, whatever. But that we're able to pretty much stay constant. Well, that doesn't just happen just because we will to or we want to. It happens, I think the bookends of that verse help to fill that out. First of all, that you're rejoicing in hope. Well, that means that you've got to have hope. And what that hope is, really, it's based on that things are going to get better based on the promises of God. And ultimately, things are going to get incredible. And you have that hope. You don't have it right here. It's not better yet. It's not incredible yet. But hope is not what you have. Hope is what you can see in the future. It's a picture of your future. And if you can see, this will get better. And ultimately, this will get amazing then you have hope. And when you have that and you can see that we're stuck in the mud up to the, up to the floorboard, but the tow truck's on the way, then we can rejoice. You're sitting in algebra class, but it's only 25 minutes till the lunch bell. Come on, can I get a glory to God out of that one, you know? And it's like, you know, it's not here yet, but it's coming. And the teacher says, Mr. Gilligan, would you like to tell the class while you're smiling? Lunch is coming. And that's rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope. And then on the other end, the other bookmark or or, uh, bookend of that is to be constant in prayer. And that is, and let me just get this across to you. Prayer as a believer, that is our crisis mechanism. That is our, not not pouting, not hiding, not drinking, not smoking, joking, token, anything else. Are you hearing me? You don't revert back to your old crisis mechanisms. When I have crisis, I got to break some things and yell at people and drive fast. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't revert back to old crisis mechanisms. Call upon the name of a living God in the strong name of Jesus. And call upon many are the afflictions of the righteous. And the Lord helps them out with about every third one. No, he delivers them out of them. What? Of them all. So if you could rejoice in hope and be constant in prayer, use that as your crisis mechanism. I'm promising you on the word of God, you're going to be more constant in tribulation, trouble, pressure. You're going to be able to be a little more even keeled, which is going to enable you to go where we're going tonight. Let's pick up in verse 13 and I'll read this in the New Living Translation. It says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. All right. Can we get honest tonight? Three, four, anybody? Uh, What what do we call Wednesday night? Real life? Real life. So we got to get on. How many of you know that if you've got tribulation, pressure, problems, things pressing on you, and you're not rejoicing in hope, and you're not constant in prayer, you don't give a rip about somebody else's problems. Come on. It's like, forget that. Ain't nobody got time for your problems. Because look what I got. Come on. 
I felt that way earlier this week. I'm just, I'm just telling you. But this enables us when we're rejoicing in hope, constant in tribulation, uh, um, patient in tribulation, constant in prayer. That enables us then to help others and to deal with other people. So it's very, very vital. So it says again, when, peop- when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. This actually means that you just got to be ready to help. Be ready to help. Can you imagine if you called 911? What's your emergency? Uh, my yard's on fire. You know, or I, I've fallen, I can't get up, you know, whatever it is. And they go, well, you know what? We just, we don't really feel helpful today. Call the next shift. <laughs> you know, we laugh, but sometimes we, we're that way kind of as believers. And you know what we end up like? Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? I, I think the priest and the Levite who saw the need and chose to go the other side of the road, I think because they weren't healthy themselves. I think they were so starchy and stuck with their religion and their own things weighing them down. I, I, I got nothing to help that person. I, I think it was beyond the prejudice that it was a Samaritan. I, I just think they just ha- didn't have the capacity to do it. And, and I think that real deal believers that have uh, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwelling in them. And I, I'm telling you this too. There have been times over the years of ministry, we get the calls in the middle of the night. And then as a chaplain with the sheriff's office, there have been times we've gotten the calls in the middle of the night. And you know what? You're tired. You're sleepy. you got stuff. But I'm telling you, when you, I'm on my way, when you step out to do it, listen to me, a grace comes on you. God's not a debtor. If he taps on you to go help somebody, he'll help you to help them. So we've got to be ready. Everybody say, I'm ready. You've got to be ready to help. You've got to participate in other believers' needs. Now, one of the major New Testament pictures that we get is the picture of the body. Romans 12 is big on that. Ephesians uh, alludes to that. And that the, the family of God is the body of Christ. And we're all part of the body of Christ. And we're members individually. And that's such an incredible analogy picture for us because we all have a a body. Does everybody here got a body? Whether or not you like it or all of it, or I'll never show my feet or, you know, whatever, whatever you have a body. Okay. So we can, we can, you know, relate to this. Uh, how many of you have ever had tummy trouble? How many of you have ever eaten too many vitamin C's? No, no, never mind. (laughs) Never mind. Okay. Um, If you ever just like hurt in your stomach, what do you do sometimes? Just hold your tummy. I don't even know if that helps. But you know what? Hand said, hey, we're hurting in the guts. Let's go see. We're here. Tell me. 
You ever hit your funny bone? Come on. Does the rest of your body ignore it? It's like, come on, grow up, will you? Your arms quivering, you know, cut, cut it out. No, what do you do? You, you get all involved. You cut your finger or something. What are you doing? Am I right? Why? Because it's the body. It's you. So you've got to understand that when another part of the body, and this is written in particular to other believers, when another part of the body is in need, it should be a natural thing that we try to meet that need. Now, don't always view that as, well, I don't have the money to do that. It's not always a money thing. It's a prayer thing. It's a, hey, I can do this thing. Or I know somebody. Or, you know, there's a million different ways. And let me just drop this in real quick, too. Remember on Sunday we talked about road and ditches? Don't avoid prosperity. Because we understand to be blessed, you're blessed so that you can be a blessing. I don't even view prosperity as just being... A privilege. I think it is more of a responsibility. And I would dare say that all of us need to do better. Not so that, not so that we could say, man, Jesus made me rich. Forget that. That you missed the point entirely. It's so you can be a blessing to somebody. So you would be able to help and have the compassion, not just the compassion, but the means to do that. So it's being ready to help and to participate in other people's needs and think body think body if that's a part of the body then you want to try to do what you can do to help that out are you are you understanding that in galatians six ten, it says this as we have opportunity let us do good to all people especially say especially especially to those who belong to the family of believers so as opportunities as you're able do good to all people but especially to those of the family of believers. Now, you find out about a need, you observe a need, you ask somebody about a need, is there anything I can do for you or whatever? Um, you know, be ready to help in that. But let me just say this to you. I don't like to help hinters. Y'all hear me? Hinters. Well, what do you mean Hinters. Well, you see them at church and they go, hey, did you hear about my miracle? No, what? That I got here on fumes. Because <laughs> I don't have money for gas and I got here on fumes. That's a miracle. Hey, if you, if you need, then just say something. Ask. Don't, don't be a hinter. You know, or people, you know, in years past, you know, there'd be like an altar service and people were just praying down in the altar and they would pray out loud their need. Lord, just send somebody to meet my need, you know, and, and don't be a hinter. Don't be a hinter. Um, trust God that he'll help you have relationships that you can be honest about and so forth. Let me keep going. And it says, be eager for hospitality to practice hospitality. That means this always be welcoming, always be ready to show kindness to Originally, it meant this, that you would open up home and pantry to anybody. But I want to submit this to you. Not in these days. And I want you to look at me. Never put your family or your loved ones at risk. Are you hearing me? Don't be foolish. Don't say, well, I'm to practice hospitality, to open house 
and room and pantry to anybody, to strangers. That's not wisdom anymore. Did y'all hear me? That's not wisdom. Well, I see somebody's hungry. I'm going to pull over and I'm, you know, and you're, you're some cute young lady or whatever. And you see somebody standing somewhere and you're going to try to go help them. Um, I'd say be smart, be wise. If it's really on your heart to help them, then go get somebody to help you to help them. Okay, you've got to be wise. Be willing, be welcoming, be helpful, but be wise. Amen. Verse 14. All right, it's about to get hard. It's about to get rough. You with me? Can you do it? All right. Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Let me read it in the New Living. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Now, why in the world you got to put that in the Bible? We were good till then, weren't we? Okay. Notice in the New King James says, bless those who bless you. Bless and curse not. Twice it tells you to bless. It emphasizes bless and then do not curse. And that would be the tendency. So let's look at this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Persecute you. Those who persecute you. The word really means this. Not those who, not just those who pick on you because you're a believer. Where that would be historic, some of the historical context here, there's more to it. And it's those that would oppress you, those who would harass you, those who would pressure you. Hold on, it's going to get closer. Those who upset you, those who mistreat you, those who trouble you, those people. Hello, those people. Anybody got any of those people? You might work with them. You might live near them. You might live with them. Those people. This is uniquely Christian. And Romans 12 and Romans 13 parallel the Sermon on the Mount and, uh, from Matthew and the Sermon on the Plain in Luke. It parallels with them. This became part of, because of the culture of the day and what they put up with from Rome and from others. And this is written to, this is the book of Romans. It's written to the church where? In Rome, to, to Christians that lived there. Um, it was just unreal. This is the arrogance and the overuse of power by the Romans. And, and, and until the time of Constantine, really, what they did you know, to believers. And that's why Jesus said, hey, if they, if they tell you, carry my stuff for a mile. He said, carry it too. With a smile. Show them that greater is he, is he that is in you. Than big guy in the big armor and all your stuff. Show them that there's a greater one. A, a, a greater strength on the inside of you. And then it, it spills over here in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 12. It says, we, we work hard with our own hands. And when we are cursed, we what? We curse back, dude. No, when we are cursed, we what? We bless. And when we are persecuted, we what? We endure. Look in 1 Peter 3, 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary... 
Who wrote this? <laughs> On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Amen. So bless, what does that mean? I'll bless you. It actually has meaning in this. It, that does not mean that you run home and get the most valuable thing you have that great-grandma passed down and, and you go and you give to them. It does not mean that. Actually, this has a lot to do with words. Words. And a big Bible theme is blessing and cursing. And a lot of it also has to do with words, that you would bless your children. It also is tied in with prayer in a New Testament context. And here it's saying this. It's to call down a blessing in prayer upon them. It's to ask God to help them. It's to ask God to show them favor. How many of you know this is hard? To ask God to help them. Let me tell you, they need help. Look at me for this. All behavior is need motivated. People do what they do. There's a reason why. Some people keep going in a circle because they're missing a wheel. And they're missing a wheel because somebody was not good to them. And there goes you and there goes me. If somebody hadn't come along and protected us or put our wheel back on. And sometimes when we've gotten our wheel put back on, we forget that there's other people. What's wrong with you that you're still missing a wheel? And let me just ask you, how many of you probably technically along the way have could be the one who persecuted somebody? You harassed them, caused pressure, trouble, distress to them. No, no, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for, okay, probably all of us, all of us. And would you want them to have the ability to say, God, strike them with lightning. Let's call them fire on them. No, what, what Jesus taught, and it became the apostles' doctrine as well, is to call down a blessing in prayer. To ask God to help them and show them favor. Whereas a curse would be this, to call down disaster, ruin, or doom. And we have New Testament instructions that says don't do that. Listen, all of us have had things happen in our life. Has anybody had anything happen in your life or y'all just got it all together? Okay, I don't know if y'all were a special tour, came in in a bus, never had anything happen to us. Okay. All right. We've all had stuff. You've had people before that, you know, you counted on them for something and they did it wrong and did you wrong. I've had it happen before. And you know what? Instead of getting mad about that, sure you would get mad. How long can we stay mad? Sundown. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Y'all here? Because then you're not going to sleep good. And I love to sleep. And then you want to wake up. And plus, you don't want to give, give place to sin or the devil. But you know what you have to do? All right, God, if I were God, no, don't, don't try to script it for God. We've got to trust him enough. We've got to trust him enough. Now, there's plenty of, and we'll get to a verse here in a week or so that's in this passage. And it says that let God avenge. And God will do that. But don't you be the one that's calling for that. God, this one. If you're looking for somebody today, I can show you where they are. 
Got it on my little GPS right here? No. What you're to do is you've got to trust God that if he's going to bless them, if he's going to help them, or if, he, or if he's going to whack them, you've got to trust him. You've got to leave that over to him. Because if, if it was up to us, I mean, you know, there'd be a whole lot of people that got whacked. I, I ask this from time to time, but how many of you are glad that none of us are God? Amen. It'd be a real mess. We'd be pinching little people's heads off. I had no one in mind (laughs) illustrating sermons. All right. Let me say this too. Pray a blessing on them. Yeah, but they're so mean to me. You know, or or they did this. And they might be your boss. It's like, why don't they treat me like a person? Or this or that. Or it's a neighbor. You know, or a relative, whatever. It's like, so And they need help. And there's a million and one stories. There's a whole lot of them represented here where God touched and helped somebody and changed somebody's heart. And some of the most precious moments in life is when a, when a person goes to another person and said, could you forgive me? I'm so sorry. So sorry I ever acted that way. That's some of the most precious stuff that happens. So when you pray for other people, listen to me. Pray for. Everybody say for. for. Everybody pray for people. Don't pray about people. And don't pray against people. That's witchcraft. God's not going to honor that anyway. Pray for people. Pray for people. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Plain, he passed it on to the apostles in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Made a big deal about it. It's all over Scripture. That we're to bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Y'all with me so far? We made it through the tough spot. Let's look down at verse 15. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Life is filled with joys and life is filled with sorrows. And life is filled with with awesome things and then with challenges. Life is filled with crisis and it's filled with process. As I told you earlier when I got up, you know, when we started uh, to pray, everything weighs something. And sometimes it weighs real heavy on people. And the Bible tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We are to enter into the joys that other people have and we're to enter into the sorrows that other people have. You ready for this? We are to emotionally enter into their life. Now, you can't do that with everybody here. Okay? This is an altogether setting. But guess what? In a together setting, that's your circle. That's your, your small group or whatever. In those places, that's your Christian friend. That's your Jesus BFF. Okay, it's those people in your life. And they're going through something, you enter into that. They win something, you enter into that. They're rejoicing, you rejoice. Try to feel. Try to understand what they're feeling. And guys, we really have to work on this. I'm talking about men. Do not give me some sissy amen tonight. Guys, we've got to do better on this. Because we've got emotions. But sometimes we don't know where we put them. 
And we've got to stay in touch with that and, and keep that out. And this is the tendency then. Then we get impatient. And we don't try to understand. Stop your crying. What's the deal? You know, and, we, and we've got to be in touch with this. And let, let the Holy Spirit help us on this. Are you, guys, I'm not picking on you. I'm trying to help you. You'll be happy all in every other way if you, you know, be a little better at this. And, and never say things like this. Well, stinks to be you. Okay, just write that down. It's a mark of genuine Christianity. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. You rejoice with those who what? Okay, so they got something to rejoice about, right? So they won something or they got this or whatever. Here's what you've got to be careful that you don't do. Don't begrudge them. Don't, don't put on the fake smile and go, well, I'm so happy for you. Y'all, y'all hear me? Somebody you had a crush on forever and then you find out they're engaged now. Oh, couldn't be happier. Somebody gets a new car or a new wig or something, you know. And you're like, yeah. And inside you're hating them. Don't do that. Because when, when you do that, you disqualify yourself from ever being to fully able to enjoy a new car, new wig, whatever. Okay. So don't envy, don't begrudge folks. Rejoice. First Corinthians twelve twenty six says this, when one member suffers, and this is in the context of body here, Romans first uh, Corinthians 12. If one member, one part of the body suffers, all the members, what suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice. You know, if you want a, a trophy for running track and field, they don't just take a picture of your feet. Put the trophy down there in your feet and your shoes. It's you. You're all there. You're smiling. You're all puffed up. You're holding the trophy. Hands had nothing to do with it, holding the trophy. Right? And so if one member suffers, one part of the body suffers... We all suffer. You know, Pastor Rick Warren went, has gone through some stuff, going through some stuff recently regarding the death of his son. I, I can't tell you why so much. Maybe because he's a pastor and a father and all of that. And I, I, I just respect him and love his ministry and, and, and the contribution he's made to the body of Christ. But I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm feeling it. every day. It's like the Holy Spirit reminds me to pray for him. And, you know, he's part of the body. So we should feel that and we should pray and, you know, ex- express things. And on the other end of Rick Warren, he's, he wrote, he's written several books now, but he wrote one book. And it's the largest, biggest selling nonfiction book in history ever. I'm rejoicing. He lives in the same house he lived in 30 years ago. Drives about a 12-year-old pickup truck. Paid back all the money that the church ever paid him. He and his wife, Kate, live on 90% of their, or 10% of their income. Reverse tithe. And they're involved in all kinds of stuff. You know what? That's a good model. I just got on that for a moment. 
But you know what? I rejoice with him and I suffer with him. And I think we need to, as, as believers, be that for anybody. You hear about somebody, oh, they went through this or this happened. Even if you can't get to them, if you don't know, you can, you can feel it a little bit. Well, they're part of the body. Are you all hearing me? They're part of the body. And something goes awesome for somebody. Awesome! There's, there should be something. And you know what it causes? It causes life and love to flow through the body. More and more and more. Amen. Verse 16, and we're going to wrap this up in just a moment here. In the uh, New Living, it says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. And that's in the New Living Translation. Unity and humility go together. And how you view others and how you think of others is very, very important. Our common bond, listen to this. Our common bond is our common core, our mindset. What we learn from Scripture, the mind of Christ. That's our common bond. Everywhere else, there's diversity. I want you to look up and down your row real quick and just look at the, look at the diversity of age, of color, of, you know, what we wear, what we look like. I mean, just all, you see that? And then all of our gifts, there's diversity of gifts and diversity of graces. The only common thing we have is that we belong to Jesus and he wants us to have this common mindset. And so let this mind be in you, Philippians 2 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he was the guy seated in the highest place. And yet he didn't think it was robbery at all to humble himself and come down here and be the lowest among us. And he says, I want you to think about, I don't want you to be haughty. I don't want you to think yourself better than anybody else. Um, Pride happens when we think too high of ourselves. And when we think too high of ourselves, we're going to think too low of somebody else. And if you tend to be an interrupter, do you know what I mean? That you cut people off all the time? You need to be careful of that. I'm not saying that it is, but it could be rooted in pride, which means this. What I have to say is more important than anything you're saying right now, and I must stop you. So guard yourself that you're not an interrupter, that your, your opinion is the only one that counts. Don't do that. Let the mind that's in Christ be in us, and it's all about humility. Don't be wise in your own eyes. This verse in, in the Message Bible says, get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. There's only been one great somebody. And you know what? He became a humble servant and a, and a friend. I, I, I love this. I first heard Andy Stanley say this. The people who are most unlike Jesus, like Jesus the most. Isn't that something? Because he just went was among. You know the people who Jesus had problems with? It was the cocky religious people. And we need to not think too high of ourselves, because when you do that, you're going to think too low of somebody else. And here's the bottom line, and I'll, I'll just finish with this. We're all made in the likeness and the image of God. And look at me for this. And you need to honor that. You need to honor that. Nobody in this room, and I want you to think about this, starting with me, there's not one person in this room it's better than anybody else. There's not one person in this room that Jesus shed more blood and expressed more love to 
than anybody else. The, the ground at the cross is level. And there's not male or female. There's not, there's not race. There's not color. There's no pedigree. It's the wonderful family of God that he humbled himself and he came for those that he made in his likeness and his image. And we need to honor that in one another. And it's a challenge because sometimes we do good on something. I got an A+. Plus. Well, you need to be sweet to the people that made a D. Or those who prayed one day they might get a D. Because everybody's good at something. We say in growth track, everybody's a 10 at something. And what we need to do is honor one another. And in the body of Christ, in the family of God, New Testament instruction. And this is to happen. Listen to me. This is to happen within the family of God. It's to happen outside the family of God. Sometimes we, I, I passed a guy in traffic today. I was turning this way and he was turning this way. We just kind of passed each other. And just by outward appearance, just things that he had done to himself and all of that. And and I thank God for this later because I thought about him and I I even prayed for him. Years ago, I might have just judged him and thought, what's the deal with that and that and that and that? And And then on the inside, I thought, I wonder what his story is. I wonder what he's trying to say. I I wonder what he's feeling. And you know what? I like that better. It felt a whole lot better to let the, the love of God come through that way. Because you know what? That, that guy was made in the likeness and the image of God. Which means he has the capacity to fellowship with God. And he has the capacity to be restored to God. And so let New Testament instruction speak to us. We're in this wonderful body of Christ, family of God. And when one person hurts, we all hurt. Let's be ready to help. Let's be ready to welcome. Let's do all those things. And if somebody riles you up, you know, and gets you frustrated or whatever, what are we going to do? We're going to bless them and pray that God would help them. And you know what? The more that we do this, we kind of turn everything within us. And I'll finish with this. We turn everything in us where the flow of the love of God can flow better in us and through us. There's going to be greater peace in our life and we're going to have greater reach into the lives of other people. Amen. Well, we're not done, but we're going to stop right there. Did you get anything at all out of this tonight? Thank you, Lord.